0: Thank you, Father, for your word, O God. Speak to our hearts and let our lives never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. And so I I welcome all of us to the week five of our series titled Allow God. Allow God. And so today we're going to look at what I've um, subtitled The Process. The Process. We have learned in the past weeks that when God wants to do something in our lives, he releases a word, a word of promise, a word of encouragement, a word to show us that he wants to do something in our lives. And, and sometimes when you receive that word of God, it looks like God has come down, like everything is going to change the next moment. And sometimes you can be in a service and you receive a prophetic word and it's so detailed and you're like, God, you know about me and, and you feel like tomorrow everything will change. And and, and, and and sometimes that's how it is, but in reality, you realize that your circumstance or situation seem to be the same or sometimes even becomes worse after you've received that word. And, and so God gives us a promise. God gives us an assurance that he has already predetermined his purpose for our lives. God, in fact, lets us know that what He is going to do in our lives is going to bring glory to his name like we learned last week and bring pleasure to him. But the reality of our lives seems to be different. Sometimes we ask ourselves, why is it that a faithful God, I mean he's so faithful, we have read about him in the scriptures, We sometimes you even see him working in the lives of people around you, your neighbors, and he's this faithful God and you're serving him, and you're doing everything and loving him, and yet his words seem not to come to pass in your life apart from the fact that sometimes we ourselves can truncate the promises of God by our actions, there is something that accounts to the delay, what we consider a delay in the promise of God being fulfilled, and that is what I call what? The process. The process. And to understand this, we want to go into something that is written in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 to 15. Hebrews 6, 13 to 15. It says, For when God made a promise to Abraham... Because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Wow. The Bible says that God promised Abraham... In fact, God swore after he promised Abraham, and we learned that last two weeks, that God added, I mean, he swore by himself to remind himself of the word. And he gave an oath that, that Abraham, I will bless you. In fact, the passage says, surely I will bless you. And when God asks surely, it means that it, it will really happen. And he says, surely I will multiply you. But look at the end of the statement. It says, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. In other words, God had given a promise, but there was something for Abraham to endure in order to get the promise. And so what was Abraham supposed to endure? Abraham was supposed to endure the process to the fulfillment of the promise. And so to obtain the promise, Abraham had to patiently endure the process. And most often than not, when we see God promise, we think that, oh, it shall happen immediately. It it must happen instantly, but that is not the case. So let's look at the process Abraham went through that he had to endure. Genesis 12 verse 1 to 4, he says, Now the Lord has said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I love this. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I can imagine Selina standing in front of you, and I'm giving her a prophetic word, giving her a prophetic word, and saying all this, and she's like, "Oh, praise the Lord! Oh, God, you have to do it. God, it's going to happen tomorrow." I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Can you imagine? God told Abraham, go to a land that I will show you. In fact, that is, that is a whole other part of the story. He didn't even know where he was going. But God said, go to a land that I will show you. And at 75, Abraham set off not knowing where he was going. And if I was Abraham, I would expect that, I mean, at 75, God, you will consider that I'm, I'm an old man. I mean, I'm growing old. So the promise should come quickly. But look at what, what, what we read in Genesis chapter 21 verse 5. The Bible says, now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Wow. So God sends an old man out at 75. He doesn't even know where he's going. And God tells him that I will bless you. I'll make your name great. and you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This will happen to you. And then 75, he journeys and then it's only at 100 years that he sees the promise. 25 years. 25 years and he has to patiently endure. And the 25 years, we're you not know, like, they just happened. You and I know how 25 years can be. In fact, we know how one year can be when you are waiting for something that God says he will do in your life. You, you know, one year can look like, it can look like 10 years. It can look like 20 years. I mean, if you received a prophecy last December, I mean, 31st night, it it shall be well with, and like, God, God, you spoke to my situation in in your mind, 2023, something good should happen. Ah, we are in September. Nothing is happening. It looks, it looks so, like, so far away. Now, let's look at the timelines that, that Abraham had in his life from 75 to 100. Abraham went to the land of Canaan. In fact, that's where God told him to go. Then there was a famine in Canaan, so he moved to Egypt where he had to conceal the identity of Sarah, his wife, because he feared they would kill him, kill her. Then Abraham came back to the land of Canaan. At that point, God told him again, assured him that his descendants would be like the dust of the earth. Then Abraham went to rescue his nephew Lot. So imagine, all this is happening in 25 years. Then from there, God assured Abraham that no one will inherit him. It will be his own son. From his own body. But at age 85, there was no son. Then Sarah said, Jack, Abraham, you know what? Let's help God. Maybe, you know, maybe we are not doing what God says we should do. The the child will come, but we have to do something, you know. So so Abraham goes for Hagar. And then they give birth to Ishmael at the age of 86. And God says, this is not the one. So Abraham is going to have to believe God and trust God. At that moment, Abraham knows that the problem is not him. The problem is Sarah. Because if it was him, Hagar wouldn't get pregnant. So, so you can imagine the marital issue that one would also create. No wonder Sarah had to sack Hagar because Hagar too was a two-known girl. You know, all of this drama was happening in Abraham's life in 25 years. Then at age 99, God appeared again to Abraham to reaffirm his covenant. He says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I'll make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I mean, if I was Abraham, I I would get angry with God. Because I've waited for 24 years, and now you're telling me you make me exceedingly fruitful. And according to Romans chapter 4, at that point, Abraham's body was also dead. So, at first, it was Sarah's womb. Now, Abraham's body is, worth, is dead. There's no way they can produce, but God said, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Then Abraham had to go to the land of Gerah. And then finally, Isaac was born at the age of 100. Can you imagine, th- this is your life. Like, God gave you a promise and you had to go through it's, it's like curse and bends. I mean, God told you, come to, come to Dodua. You came to Dodua. Then, all of a sudden, there was a famine in Dodowa. You had to move to Kumasi. Then from Kumasi, you had to come back again to Dodowa. That, that's how, how how Abraham's life was. And those days they didn't have cars, so you can imagine that the journey. You can imagine the how tough it was. You can imagine how difficult it was. And and on top of that, you can imagine how Sarah was saying, Abraham, give me a child. Abraham, give me a, you know, a, a lot of things were happening, but God had to let Abraham go through all of this because something greater was coming through. And so the Bible says that Abraham had to endure the process. Can I tell you, people of God, that everything that God has said concerning your life, he, he's standing by that word, but there's a process to the fulfillment of that word. It, it is not going to come easily. It's not going to, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen just at once. But today, this generation, what we like to hear is, "Receive it; it shall happen. Receive it, name it, claim it, take the chair, shake it." I said it's coming. And then maybe tomorrow, then then, then coming Friday, Friday, we are having um, what do you call it? Praying over your your documents. Bring all your documents. I said it shall happen. But 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 that's not how it happens. It doesn't happen like that. God can do it instantly, but God chooses to take you through what? A process. Some of you, God has given you, uh, what do you call it? A, a prophetic word that you'll be traveling all over the world. You haven't even stepped on the tarmac of the airport. You haven't even stepped, you haven't even stepped there. Meanwhile, the prophecy is that you will travel all over the world. In fact, you have, you have done your passport, it has, it has expired. You have to go and renew it. And you are still waiting for the word. Because there's, there's a process. Some of you have received a prophetic word. You have received a, a promise from God that you become a very wealthy person. You have all the money and, and help people. But, but when you go into your own home and you start shaking bags, looking for coins and papers to, to be able to buy the next thing that you want to buy. It's like God, I thought you said you make me a wealthy person. So Abraham went through the process and you know what? The, the truth is that God hasn't changed because he takes all of us through the process. God did not just take Abraham through the process. He took some other people also through the process. Let's look at some of them in the scriptures. We see Joseph. This is the promise that Joseph received a dream or dreams about being elevated and and then bound to by his family. It was was a dream that showed that he would be a prominent person. But look at his process. From the father's house, he had to go into the pit. From the pit, he had to go to Potiphar's house. From Potiphar's house, he had to go to the prison and then to the palace. And then now became what? A prime minister in the palace. Can you imagine the process? And according to some theological studies, it took um, Joseph what was possibly around 17 years. And, and by the time he was ascending um, to become the prime minister in the palace, that was about 30 years. So you can imagine the, the length, the duration. I mean, a, a, a man that is a young boy that is loved by the father, they've, they've even sewn a coat of many colors for him and, and he's going, I mean, he's going his way to take care of his brothers. I mean, give them something. The father has sent him and you think that, Charlie, my dream is coming through. And God said, no, I've got to take you through a process because where you are supposed to become great is not the land of Canaan. Where you are supposed to become great is the land of Egypt. For you to get there, I have to take you through a process. And some of you ask, God, why don't you just get him to Egypt? Because, you see, the thing is that God is going to make him a prime minister. He has to go through a training process to have what it takes to become a prime minister. Because guess what? The whole world will be coming to Egypt for their food from him. And he needs a capacity to be able to handle that. So God will take him into the pit. In the pit, he will feel lonely. He will know what it means to be hungry in the pit. Because he's going to feed people who will be hungry. So God will take you through the process. Then they'll lift you out of the pit and take you to Potiphar's house. And in Potiphar's house, you are a servant because you have to learn how to serve. But you're a servant, but then now you're elevated to a position of a servant leader. And everything is put into your charge. So Potiphar doesn't even know what. So at that place, you are learning the principle of management. So God has to take him through the process. And in Potiphar's wife's house, Potiphar's wife has to tell a lie because God is going to take Joseph to another school. You have to get into the prison for whatever God is going to do there because it is in the prison that you meet Pharaoh's butler and baker. And the butler will be the one to connect you to Pharaoh. If you don't get into the prison, you will not meet the one connecting you to the next say So God has to take you through the process. Let me tell you, your prison now is only an indication that God is setting you up for the one who connects you to your next level. Oh, Some of you did not get that one. You might be crying now and thinking that, God, why have you let me? God, why are you not going with me? But it's only because God is what setting you up for the destiny that is ahead of you. So in the prison he gets there and because he's going to be a prime minister the him and is the leader in the prison. Then at a point the butler and the baker would have to have a dream because God is still setting up everything. It's part of the story that God has written. It's just unfolding. And then, and then right there he interprets and three days the dream comes to pass. He has told the butler when you go remember me. So in the mind of Joseph the 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 butler should remember because the prophecy has come to pass. It's three days. It, it, it It should come to pass. The butler gets there and forgets for another two years. Because at that point, Joseph has to learn another lesson of not being bitter. Because his brothers will come back again to the land of Egypt. And when they come, he has to serve them without bitterness. So God has to take him through two years. And I, I can imagine the two years. He's like, hey, this butler, Hey, this butler." Is that how people are? Didn't I interpret the dream? And God says, no, I have to take that one out of you. Because I have to root out a lot of things and prepare you for where I am taking you to. Then God orchestrates that at the end of the two years, when Pharaoh is ready to dream, the butler will remember. You see, your process you are going through is a whole story God has written. You might only be looking at it from one angle. God, why are you taking me through all of this? But God says every single step of the process is part of the training to get you where I want you to be. And some of us don't want to go through it because we think that, oh, life must come easily for us. But if God doesn't allow you to go through it, you won't have what it takes to become what he wants you to be. And so God, I always tell God, God, I want you to make me ready for where you are taking me to. Because for some of us, you are praying for the success, but you are not ready. The success will kill you. You don't have the capacity. Some of you, God elevates you where he's taking you to. You have too much pain and bitterness in your heart that you will, you, will, you will use the success to work against people. Sometimes you don't even know what is in your heart until you get there. Some of you, there's pride. Some of you, there's something. There's impatience. Some of you, some of you, 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 you don't know what you can do when you have the level of influence God will give to you. Before you realize you have... Side check one, side check two, side check three, side check four. Because, because God hasn't, the thing hasn't been done. So God will take you through a what? A process in order to get you there. Can I tell you, the greater the destiny, the more intense the process. So some of you are like, God, I want to be great. God, I want to be influential. God, get ready for a more intense process. It's not going to come easily. So we have Moses. He's been given a word. He has to be the deliverer of the children of Israel from Egypt. Yet Moses has to, I mean, find himself as a baby under the now. And then end up in Pharaoh's palace. Because he's going to come back again to redeem the people from that same palace. So he has to learn the protocols of Egypt. Look at the process. You see, God is so wise. <laughs> so he takes him through, I mean... The, the palace in, in Egypt. And according to history, Moses and, um, and Rameses, Rameses was, 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 was a son of Pharaoh. And Moses was, was Pharaoh's daughter's son. And so Rameses and, and, and Moses were actually supposed to rule Egypt. According to history. And so you can see that Moses was not a small guy. He had gone through the Egyptian system and training, And yet God said, okay, now I have trained you to understand what it takes to come here and redeem my people. But I have to take you out of this place and take Egypt out of you again. It's just interesting. eh? And so God takes him to Midian for 40 years to cleanse him from Egypt. So he can come back into Egypt knowing how Egypt is but now coming back as an Israelite to redeem the people of Israel. And So the Bible calls Moses the meekest man. Why? Because in Midian he was taking care of sheep and he had to be with them in the wilderness for 40 years and learn how to deal with these animals the stubborn ones for 40 years because he was going to lead a group of people through the wilderness for another 40 years process. Process. And so, everything you are going through, can I tell you, its not wasted. <laughs> oh, please tell to your neighbor and tell the person, it's not wasted. You <laughs> oh, no, tell to another neighbor and tell the person, what you are going through is not wasted. You see, one day, it is going to show up in who you become. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, one day it's going to what? Show up in who you become. And, and so, we look at David. David was anointed to be the king of Israel. Look at what happened to David. Immediately, he's anointed. He's taken back to the backside to be with the sheep. But I say, God, then why did you call them to anoint me? I mean, and he was anointed before his brothers, before all the people. So, you expect that the next moment, David will be king. But he had to go back again and serve. Because God was going to put Israel as the flock of God under his care. So he has to go back again and learn how to take care of the sheep so he can take care of these ones. And going back, he learns how to kill the bear and learns how to kill the lion because there's a Goliath that is going to come and he needs the experience to kill the Goliath because that's a platform for elevation. Then God takes him back again to the palace to serve Saul, the one that he is supposed to succeed. (laughs) I'm sure if if you and I know you be truthful to yourself. If you are the one anointed to be the king and you know Saul has misbehaved and you have been taken back to the palace to kill Saul, uh, to serve Saul, what will you do? (laughs) What what will you do? (laughs) Two options. Either you won't go because you are proud or you will go and stay the cool. After all, I'm the next king. But David went and served, and when he served, Saul tried to kill him on different occasions. But guess what? David still had to serve because God was going to work something in the heart of David. And So the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart who had to do all the will of God because he had gone through all the afflictions in order to be able to lean on God. And so you, you read the Psalms and you see the writings of David and you see a man who has learned to lean on God. A man who has learned to love God. You know, some of you, God will allow you to go through what you are going through because that's the only way he can get you. No, that's the only way he can get your attention. That, that's the only way he can get you to love him and serve him and know him. So David had to go through all of this. And even after he, I mean Saul died, he had to only reign over two tribes. See, God is a God of process. Then all of Israel was entrusted into his sons. And you think that that is the end. Then Absalom's son rose up against him. And the king, David, had to now walk through the wilderness. And come back again as king of Israel. Wow. We look at Mary. The Bible says that Mary was supposed to give birth to the savior of the world. Now Mary had to go through her own process. And the process Mary went through was that Mary got pregnant when she was Probably a teen, according to my biblical studies, she was a teenager, and I can imagine a teenager in those days pregnant, a good girl, called a virgin, and then she was pregnant. You can imagine how they were laughing at her, as you tell them, who, "Who made you pregnant?" It's the Holy Spirit? <laughs> who who made you? So you mean God? God came down and made you that is a That is blasphemy in Israel. In fact, it's liable to stone. Mary had two things to stone her. One, she was betrothed to someone. And so, by the loss of Israel, you can't go and get pregnant by another person. You'll be stoned. But secondly, you are saying God is the one who made you pregnant. That is blasphemy. You'll be killed. So, so Mary was not in an easy place. Yet, God said that this is the one to whom the, the, the Savior of the world will come. And so Mary had to give birth to Jesus. Under very strange circumstances, and you think that God will reward her giving birth by letting her give birth in some palace. She gave birth in a manger. Then she had to escape with Jesus to Egypt because they are going to kill Jesus. Then after that, come back to Israel. Her son, at the age of twelve, she saw him doing many things then only for the son to be killed at the age of 33. Can Can't you imagine you giving birth, gone through all this stress, and your son is killed at the age of 33. That's a young boy. That's a young man. But that is the means through which the prophecy shall come to pass. Then we see Jesus himself. The Bible says he's anointed to preach the good tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Yet we see that Jesus, when he was born, I mean, he also had to go through his own process. Even though he is a son of God, God did not exempt him from what? Process. Because every one of us will go through it. He was born in a manger. He was born among the animals. I mean, that's an indication of who he was going to become. And then after that, they had to take him to Egypt. Then at the age of 12, we read something spectacular about Jesus. He's with the teachers of the law. And the Bible says he's confounding them. He's asking questions and answering questions. And, and he's seated with them. I and mean, you think that after 12, by the time he has done all of that, Charlie, the next thing is that he's always in the, in the temple. Or you will see that he's what, performing miracles. But we don't hear of Jesus until the age of 30. Because sometimes God will showcase what you're about to do and then put you in a school of silence. When no one will hear about you for the next 18 years. Nothing will show up. It's because what God is taking you through, what? The process. Because he has to build your capacity. He has to let... And and so you read about Jesus and the Bible says that at the age of 12, when the, the parents found him and they told him, why are you doing this to us? He says, don't you know I must be about my father's business? Look at the next line. The Bible says that he went and he was subject to them. So for the next 18 years, he has to be submitted to his parents. So that by the age of 30, when he's ready, God will show him. Can I tell the people of God, some of you, your delay is just because God is keeping you. He's preserving your destiny. He's, he's, because if Jesus had come to it, they would have killed him too early. I said, "This, this too long boy. isn't he the one that starts with us here? They would have killed him very early. Remember, even though he was God, he was also man. And God had to let him go through the process unto maturity till the right time. When he will die, can I tell you, people of God, that God is taking you through your own process and something great is coming out of it? Every one of these people has something beautiful come out of their story. Yours is no different. The process might be painful, but the promise is beautiful. The process might be what? Painful, but the promise is what? Beautiful. So, yeah, five things to understand. Number one, the God of the promise is also the God of the process. Whenever God gives you a word, He's not just interested about the promise. He's also interested in what? The pro- process. And He's the same God who gave the promise. It's the same God who will be with you through the process. That's, it. That's why He says in Isaiah 43, He says, when you walk through the fire, I will be with you. When you go through the waters, it shall not overflow you. He says, I will be with you. In the pain, he will be with you. In the sorrow, he will be with you. In the affliction, he will be with you. When the journey is smooth, he will be with you. When the journey is rough, he will be with you. He's the same God. When he gives a promise, he doesn't run away. He says, I'm still the God who will take you through it. Number two is that... Most often than not, God will give you the summary, not the details. Quite a number of times, God doesn't tell us the details. <laughs> he only tells you the summary. I'll make you great. I'll multiply you. I'll do this. You shall become this. How many of you have, have ever seen God telling you, okay, so because I'm going to do this for you, tomorrow you will go through this. Maybe next two weeks, something. This. No, no, God doesn't tell you. In fact, God, if God gives us the details of our lives, and some of us will be scared. You will run away. When you see the story of your life, like a movie and phobia, you, you will run away and leave the destiny. You say, God, if this is what would get me to the destiny, then please, I beg you. Take your promise. <laughs> In fact, God, God, take your promise. I don't want to go through it. Now, now, mommy is here. She she has lived for for, she's, she's old. Now, if she tries to recount her life and you ask her 30 years ago whether she thought her life would be this way or this, that she'll tell you, no, never. Never. All the things she has gone through, the ups and downs, the cares and best, never. God gives us the summary, not the details. And that's one beautiful thing about walking with God because it makes you lean on Him. You have to have faith in Him to believe what is going to happen next. I don't know what's going to happen in your life next two weeks. I, I don't know. I can't tell. I don't know what's going to happen next six months. I, I can't tell. I don't know what, what, what is the next phase of my journey in the process that God has given to me. But, but I have to trust Him to be able to walk through it. Number three, God declares the end from the beginning. But you have to live out what is in between. God does what? Declares the end from the beginning. But you have to live what is what in between it. So at the beginning, God says every good thing about you. He says that is the end. I am telling you the end right here. But from here to that place, you would have to do the working. You, you have to go through it. You go, you have a marriage that might not work you go through this, your child will do this, this will happen. Like a lot of things will happen in your life, but it's all because God is getting you there. And out of every pain, God births a beautiful story. Out of every pain, God has what? Births a beautiful story. Number four, the process God takes you through is part of his faithfulness to his word. See, because God is faithful to his word, he has to let you go through the process so that you can see the full manifestation of his word. Some of you, God had to let you relocate somewhere under very difficult and strange circumstances. But it's all part of, because he's faithful to his word. He says, I will do this and that, so I have to let you. Like the other day, I shared with you, we had to move out of our house in Adenta, and we moved suddenly, not planned. We moved suddenly, and we were homeless for one month. And, and not that we hadn't searched for a place. We had searched for a place for over six months and not found a place, not knowing that God had gtp Kabod Assembly to establish. So he says that, I will move you out of your house. I will take you through another process, but I will land you in a place called Amahia, and then from there, I will open your eyes to the vision of what I want to do. So sometimes the process is painful, but it's because he wants to bet out something and it's because he's faithful to his word. See, can I tell you, God is more mindful about being faithful to his word than the tears that he shed in your bed? Or can I repeat it? God is more mindful about being what? Faithful to his word than the tears that you are shed. Because you see, the faithfulness of God's word in your life is not really about you. Last week we learned it. So the one month that I didn't have a place today. God was not, God said, Oh, you don't, I've sorted you out. You're all right. You go through, you can cry. Fine. But, but, but I'm going to best something out that will make someone seated on the, on the 3rd of September 2023 to hear a word. So that is more important to me than what you're going through. Faithfulness is word. Number five is that God has been dealing with human beings through the principle of process. He won't change that because of you. <laughs> can I repeat it? God has been doing this for years, for centuries, for thousands of years. He's been taking human brains through what process. He won't change it because of you. Sometimes you don't want God to do, I'm God's favorite child. I've seen people write on social media, I'm God's favorite child. I'm God's this. And in your mind, you feel like, oh, as for me, like nothing, nothing to happen. I'm God's, yes, you are God's favorite child. Oh, in fact... This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Yes, God, God made them crucify him. It was like, he was, a, the son said, why have you forsaken me? My, my God, my God, why have you forsaken You can be God's favorite child. When he says you will go through the process, you will go through it. Even his beloved son in whom he was well pleased. you He hasn't even added you, are, he's well pleased. <laughs> His beloved son in whom he was well pleased. He allowed him to go through it. I'm God's favorite child. (laughs) So God will not exempt you from the process. And can I break the news to you that there is no amount of tears that will stop God from taking you through the process. Because when God looks at you, he doesn't just see the pain you are going through. He sees something much more than the pain he says the pain is a necessary evil for you to get there. Very, very necessary. So in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11, he says he has made everything beautiful in its time. So you call it a necessary evil, but God says that pain is not, he doesn't even call it an evil. He says it's a necessary condition for you to get there. Because he has made everything what? Beautiful in its time. Look at the, 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 the plant. When, you're, when, you, when you sow the seed in the soil, have you realized that no matter the picture you have of the plant, the plant doesn't just pop up. Sometimes you sow the seed in the soil and it will take days. Why? Because it's going through a process in the soil. It's called death. It will die in the soil. Then it will begin to break. Can you imagine the, the obstacle it faces in trying to shoot out of the ground? With the soil, the resistance of the soil. Some of your struggles you are going through is just like that seed in the soil. You, you are going through your own death. And now when just you think that the death is over, you have to now break out. And the resistance of breaking out. But if you don't break out, you can't see the beauty. So you have to break out. And it is painful to break out. But that seed has to break out. And when it breaks out and it shoots up, you see something beautiful. But God says, ah, this is just the beginning of it. That's why sometimes you see glimpses of the future that God has for you. You, you, you go through a, a difficult moment, and then all of a sudden, things, things come down a little. And things are looking so nice. And it's like, God, oh, I like it. Let it continue. Let, let the season continue. And God says, no, no, you just shut up. I just gave you a breathing space. You just shut up out of the ground. But the actual thing hasn't come. Let's wait. Let's go through the process. So now God says, okay, you, in. you, you, you have done your breathing a little. Let's continue. Grow. So as you're growing, the sun is hitting the the plant. The rain is hitting. But it's all part of the process for growth. You think when the sun is scorching the plant, it says that, hey, this is part of it. I like it. No, no, no. Sometimes the sun can be very hard, but the plant needs it. Sometimes the rain can be very hard. It's very hard for that small plant. But the plant needs it. And so it has to go through what? The process. Because there's a time called it's time. It's time. It's time. In it's time. It makes all things beautiful. Until that time comes, it still has to go through. It has to be under the weather. It has to go through pruning. It has to go through a lot of things. And so finally, when the plant has grown and shot up, it starts bearing fruit. And even the process of bearing fruit is another whole process. Because it's flowers. But it has to to go through manufacturing and tap from nutrients from different places. And before you realize, the plant is now a full-fledged plant with fruits on it. And guess what? The plant does not eat the fruit. Other people eat the fruit. Because what God is doing in your life is not for you. (laughs) That is why God is taking you through it. It's not for you. It, it's not for you. If it was about you, God would have done it a long time. Look, if it was just about you, your prayers, God would have answered the day you prayed. Everything would have been settled. But it's not because of you. Joseph, he had to go through it because it wasn't because of, he had to preserve a generation later. So, God had to take him to God, God was, I'm sure Joseph was crying. God said, Joseph, you don't know there are thousands of people whose destinies are dependent on you. So, you have to go through it. If you understand this truth, eh, from now on, you will turn your prayers of pain into thanksgiving of joy and say God I don't know what you are taking me through I don't understand it it is hard, it is tough but God I thank you that I am going through it because one day someone will benefit from it one day your crushing will produce wine for someone to enjoy so God says that he has made everything what? beautiful in it time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. That's it. We, we can't find out what God does from beginning to end. We only try to walk through it. But he has put eternity in our heart in, in the sense that he has placed in your heart what he's actually going to do. That's why you have an indication of where God is taking you. You can't even put your finger on it, but you can sense that this is where God is taking me to. It's in your heart. But you can't tell what he's doing from beginning to the end. You just have to be patient and walk with Him. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, we read that to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And so there's a time. There's a time. There's a time. That time is coming. It doesn't come yet. And so you would have to what? Be patient like Abraham. He says that he had to endure. Because there's a time coming. I I don't know when the time will come, but there's a time coming. Oh, there's a time coming. Deborah, there's a time coming. There's a time coming. Mommy, there's a time coming. And you know, the interesting thing is that when that time comes and you think that it is beautiful already, God says that this beauty is even going to lead to another beauty. So let's continue the process. (laughs) Oh, God. This God, he is an amazing God. So he takes us through all of this because whilst he's taking us through he's working something amazing in our lives and when we come to the place of the fullness of his will you will see it become beautiful because at that time when God lands you in that place you have the character to sustain the greatness sometimes it's not beautiful in some people Have have seen some people have wealth and they have fame and everything but it's not beautiful because people can bypass the process and use human systems to get there. But anything that God does not orchestrate doesn't have the beauty in it. I want what God orchestrates. I, I want it. I want what God is doing. I, I want to see the beauty in my life. I don't want to rush ahead of God. I, I know the promises of God. I know the purposes of God. I know the desires of God concern my life. I know what God is saying, but I don't want to rush it. I, I want to be patient. Selina, if I push myself there, I would, I would spoil it. I'll spoil it. I, I don't want to spoil God's soup. It's just like, woman, you're in the kitchen and you're cooking and your husband is in a hurry. I, I want to eat. And then he said, let me help you cook it. Would you, would you do that? No, no, no. When, when you started the process, and you say, I want to cook it the way I want to cook it so that you would enjoy it. He said, please wait. Because you don't want anything to come and disturb what you are. Or your little children. Mommy, 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 the food is not cooking. Let me come and help you. I want to pour the salt. Hey! No, 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 no. (laughs) No, 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 you will not. Because what? It will spoil what is coming. Let me tell you, people of God, God is in his kitchen and he's preparing something amazing. You don't know how long it is taking, but God says that I will not rush the process. When the time is up, I will make it beautiful and I will serve it to you. Amen. I will serve it to you. So, so what do we do then? Our response should be what Abraham did. Patiently endure. The Bible says he patiently endured. And, and that word in the Greek means to be long-spirited. That is forbearing. In fact, we get the word long-suffering from that word. It means that you don't lose heart. You, you don't give up. You, you stand. You say, God, I don't know how long it will take, but I will stand with your word. Because your word is a word of assurance. I will stand with the word. It might be tough, but I will stand with the word. It might be difficult, but I will stand with the word. It might not be easy, but I will stand with the word. God, I don't know what you are doing, but I will stand with the word. It's not easy. Look, let me tell people of God, it's not, it's not easy anywhere. So he's anywhere? But he says you have to uh, patiently endure. Do you know the number of times I come to church and I ask God, God, how long? I was like, God, do, do you a know psychological battle I have to fight every Sunday, every single Sunday? And 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 you know, you ask God, God, what haven't I done? In fact, last week I was recounting everything I know a pastor should do to grow a church, outreach, evangelism. Follow-up, prayer, fasting, all-night prayer. What? God, what haven't I done? Like, you have to come the next Sunday with hope. And yet, when you come the next Sunday with hope, God will crush the hope. And like, God, what is happening? What when, when, when am I going to go through again? The next Sunday, you have to come back again. Fight the same psychological battle. The next Sunday, come back again. Fight the same psychological battle. These past few weeks we have been praying every single day. We come here we pray. And you are thinking that when we pray, as we are praying, God will move. Like the people will run. And then you come the next Sunday and God will say, "Ah, you continue praying. I still, still it. You have to patiently endure. And sometimes you ask yourself the question, God, what is the matter? After you call all the people on Sunday, after you call the people and you call, why didn't you come? The excuses are just amazing and annoying. But God says, it is all part of what? <laughs> the process. <laughs> it's part of the process. So He says, after you had what? Patient. Because God will let you go through what we call long suffering. It's not short suffering, it's, it's long. You have to suffer. Look, you have to suffer it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to go through it. Oh, God, what's the next pain? He will not tell you, you will go through it. I don't even know whether God will in next week Sunday when I come, any of you will be here I have to come, you have to work patiently endure the process and yet God has revealed it and shown us we have had overflow in this place overflow at the car park, God when is it coming I don't know I will not tell you <laughs> hey God is that what you are going to do yes You have to patiently endure it in your business. You have done everything. Marketing skills, marketing strategies. You have done ABCD. You have done social. You have gone for every seminar. When they say this seminar, you go for it. You apply the principle. Nothing is happening. It's a process. And some of you, your life is like the Chinese bamboo tree. Do you know how it is? The Chinese bamboo tree, when they plant it, it doesn't shoot up It stays in the ground for five years. Then when it finally shoots up, within a matter of weeks, it shoots up nine feet tall. But all the while, when it is in the ground, you would think it is dead. It's not dead. It's growing down in order to grow up. <laughs> it is growing up. So when you see it shooting up, you think that it is like a mushroom. Like it, just, it just got up and shot up. It has been in the ground going down and going down and going. And when it shoots up, it shoots up taller than all the trees around it. Some of you are like the Chinese bamboo tree. Someone says, God forbid. (laughs) God, this is not my story. You can do all the God forbid, whatever. You will go through it, it won't change it. It won't change it. It's a process. So the Bible says that after Abraham had what? Patiently endure. Can I tell people of God, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. You have to keep your eyes fixed on the promise that God has given to you. So let's wrap up with this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. Something interesting is said there. It says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And I like that because he's telling us that, look, there are people who have gone ahead of you. There are now clouds of witnesses. There's Abraham there. There is Joseph there. There is David there. There are many great men and women of God. And there are many people who have patiently endured and gotten the promise. Some of them, in fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says some of them died not having received the promise. They are all part of the clouds of witnesses. Their children came to receive the promise. And 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 they are all there. And the Bible says, "Because we see them, they are all around us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us." Because when you are running the race, you don't need anything to keep you back. So he says, "That lay aside the weight and the sin that easily besets you, because you are running a race which is tough. Already the process is tough, so don't go and add weights and sins to it." The process that God is taking you through is so that you don't end up like the Israelites, you know, two years to, to the promised land and you end up adding another 38 years. So some of us, our process, we are rather elongating it. You are making it longer by your own actions and attitudes. So he says, lay aside every weight and the sin that easily besets you. And let us run with what? Endurance. Again, the word endurance is there. That is set before us. The race that is set before us. But look at what, how he it, Looking unto Jesus. He's the only one that we can look on to in order to be able to get to the destination. Looking on to Jesus who? The author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at how beautiful the picture is. It's, it's, it looks so beautiful here. But but it's not, it's not as beautiful as it's written here. He says, he... What? For the joy that was set before him, endured what? The cross. Despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. Jesus. Jesus was given a promise you will be the savior of the world, you will redeem the people. The Bible says that that is the joy. The joy was that he will be at the right hand of God. And the right hand of God means that he's going to be in a place of authority. In the place where, I mean, he's now standing in as God to be able to rule over everything. But that must happen when he has conquered death and the grave. But look at the process. So the Bible says he has to endure the cross. Do you know what it means to endure the cross? Let me just give you a highlight. This is why it's a highlight, summary. So when they arrested Jesus and they took him to the council, to the Sanhedrin, that night, the Bible says they slapped him and they beat him. I mean, the people that he created, if I was Jesus, I, I don't know what I would do to them. I, I spoke them into being. I said, okay, all of you, punish. And they are gone. I mean, the people he created, they slapped him. They beat him. If some of you, if some of you are like Jesus, you'd be like the Chinese Jesus film, he got down from the cross, did some. Kung Fu beat all the people and went back to the cross. <laughs> 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 At the end of the day, I has to show them who, who has the power. <laughs> That's a <the> child. Jesus. <laughs> he has to show them who has the power, then go back to the cross. No, no, no. They slapped Jesus. They beat him. And the Bible says that they had to sentence him to death on the cross. And and you know, in those times the Romans will beat you with a whip. And it wasn't the canes that we have. The whip had hooks, so that when they threw it on your skin, it would it will pull the flesh. And 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 they had to give Jesus these stripes, and it was forty stripes. So when they Throw it, it pulls the flesh. And then they throw it, it pulls the flesh. Now, Jesus, the Bible says he had to endure because of the joy that was set before him. We are looking at Jesus. That's what the Bible says. He's our example. So, they pull the flesh. Why? Because in the, you see, he has to go to the cross. That's the, you have to go to the cross and die. But God says, it's not just the cross. I told you, God doesn't give you the details. He gives you the summary. He says, part of the process of going to the cross is that by your stripes, they will be healed. So I have to let them break your body so that someone one day who has cancer will receive healing. So that they have to tear the body so that by his stripes you and I can be healed. It's part of the process. When God is taking you through the process, it's not not just the end result. There There is more than that that after they had broken the body of Jesus, they put a crown of thorns on his head. And do you know how they fixed the crown of thorns? Where they fixed it is the place where you, it, will, it will crush the veins so there's a lot of blood coming out. So can you imagine? Now, Jesus, his body is broken. He can't, he can't do much. He's weak. His, there's crown, a crown of thorn on his head, and blood is oozing out. Then now they put a cross as heavy as three and a half bags of cement. That's how heavy the cross was. On his shoulder. You and I cry in all our strength. After he has eaten all the banquet, he can't even carry two bags of cement. They put one heavy cross that was about three and a half bags of cement on his shoulders. And guess what? He had to be climbing up a hill. (laughs) Some of you, you think it it was an easy thing that our Savior went through. But the Bible says the joy. That was said before him. So when Jesus was carrying the cross, he was thinking about the healing that someone receives. He says, ah, I am, I'm in pain, but for the sake of the person who receives healing. Let's go he was thinking about a drug addict he says for the sake of the salvation that's the joy I will get let me go because the Bible says there is joy before the angels anytime a sinner is saved so he's thinking about the people that will be saved and he says that is is a a lot of joy for me so let me endure Let, let me try and go through it and God is taking him through this and he's going through all the suffering and he's going through all the pain but he's thinking about you whilst he's going through the pain because he's looking at you seated here today and receiving this word. And he says, for the sake of that, I will go through it. Then he gets to a place and Simon of Cyrene had to meet him there. And then the, jo- the, the soldiers had to compel Simon to take up the cross. Because one day in Simon's house, there's going to be a church. And one day Simon of Cyrene, who is an African, will be through that process, get the gospel to Africa as well. So he, Jesus is going through the process, but God is doing multiple things at the same time see all that you are going through God is doing much more than you can see it's not just about the end result there is too much God is doing so much God is doing some of you God wants to create empathy in your heart so what you are going through he's going to create so much empathy that one day when he lands you where he wants to land you you have so much compassion for people you will help people left right center without thinking twice because he will take you through your own cross cross in order to have empathy for people. So Jesus had to go through that. And, and, and when they got to Golgotha, the Bible says they nailed him to the cross. And the nails were not, they are not these small, small nails. They are nails that, very huge nails, I've forgotten the number of inches, but very huge nails. When they nail you, you can't pull your hand out. And they nail their legs this way. Because... The part of the crucifixion was that they are supposed to nail the, the middle part of the leg and hold it to the other leg so that your body, the blood flow, there'll be, I mean, I, I read the whole scientific explanation. I don't even know how to explain to you. But they did it that way so that once you are on the cross, your your body organs, internal organs will be tearing one after the other. Then you'll be experiencing internal bleeding. And you can't do anything, even if you are itching, you can't scratch. I mean, you are you are, you, are, you are just there like this, and everything is tearing. And whilst that is happening, you are losing a lot of fluid. So Jesus said, "I thirst," because he, he was drained. And they gave him vinegar to drink. That is double punishment. Then they pierced the side so that the water and the blood will, will come out. Can you imagine all of this that was happening to Jesus? And the Bible says he was enduring all of this because of what? Because of the joy. That was said before remember jesus told peter that look i can send legions of angels and they'll save me oh even on that cross at that moment he could say, jack okay enough god i said your will be done let's end it here angels calm down and, and they'll come immediately like no no discussion but for the joy that was set before him for your sake he endured the cross can i tell people of god For the sake of the destiny that God has set before you, you have to tell yourself, I will endure. For the sake of the people whose lives are attached to yours, you have to tell yourself, I will endure. For the sake of the people who are going to benefit from you, you have to tell yourself what? I will endure. Look, I tell myself, look, there are many, many people who are going to benefit from my destiny, from my life. Because of that, because of that, Lord, I I want to go through it. It is not easy, but I want to go through it. It's going to be painful, but I want to go through it. It's going to be hard, but I want to go through it. That is why we hear songs like, It is well. Because someone had to go through the pain of losing his whole family. So that a song like that for generations would be a blessing and a comfort to people. Do you think that it was an easy thing losing the family? But sometimes God will sacrifice for in order to save millions. He created them and decide to call them anytime. And he's still a just God. So your pain is momentarily aiding you to get to your destiny. There is a process. Oh, there is a process. I don't know how many tears you are going to shed. I, I can't tell you, but I can tell you will shed tears. <laughs> I I don't know how many times you are going to cry, but I can tell you will cry. I don't know how many pains you will go through, but I can tell you will go through some pains. I don't know how many sufferings you will go through. And, and today, that's not a gospel. I know, I know this is not a gospel. The, gospel. the gospel of today is, you shall receive it. You are blessed. Portia, you are blessed. The visa is coming. Everything is coming. That, that's, that's the gospel of today, right? Oh, Deborah, I see you. You are traveling. The airplane is flying all over the place. The, they they we even stop in there in the air. I mean, that, that's, what, that's, what, that, that's, that's what you want to see. That's what you want to hear. But there is a process. There's a process. And if you are going to become great, you should know that what you will go through will be great. It will be intense. It will be tough. It will be hard. But in the end, our assurance is that. He makes all things beautiful in its time. There is beauty at the end of the story. And that is our encouragement. Just rise to our feet as we thank God. Just lift up your voice and thank God. Let's thank God. Let's thank God. Let's thank God. Bless the name of the Lord.